Um, before we get going, here's a verse. Um, it's in um, Luke 6, verse um, 38. Give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Isn't that wonderful? Um, say to the person next to you, clear your lap. <laughs> you didn't have to do that, Dee, but it's good that you did. Um, some people didn't do it. Say to the person next to you, come on, do it this time. Clear your lap. Um, In that great words, give and it shall be given to you. If you want to, hello, Emily. Good to see Emily this morning. Um, if you want to know where the fullness is, it is in the giving of what you have. Amen? Amen. So that might come up as we, uh, as we go through um, this morning. So last week, hello, girls. Good to see you. Hello, Mary. Um, you young people need to listen because this is very relevant for you, wherever you may be, so don't you go hiding. Um, now you've sat there, I feel a bit too close. <laughs> um, really enjoyed the worship this morning. Just, I really sense, and I think this is maybe why the Lord put this on Drew's heart about this togetherness. I really felt this was just us being together as a church, as a family, and just loving the Lord together and hearing what... Um, John is a miracle man there. And that's just one thing about John. Um, if you know John, you will know all sorts of other things that John's been going through. And you won't hear a complaint. I don't know if he complains to Margaret at all, but, um, but wonderful. Um, so last week I talked about building up. I talked about how God is building his church and about how we are God's builders. And um, particularly we talked a bit about how um, God is building his church. He has a ministry that we might see in the context of the gathering where God is building the church and we saw how we are to build one another up as we hear these testimonies and these words, it builds us up and that we have a personal responsibility as all you young people do. If you look at my face, it's a lot, it's a lot more attractive than my feet. <laughs> you wish you didn't sit there, didn't you? Um, this just takes me back to when I used to do the kids' work and Mary was in my kids' group out in the back hall doesn't it, eh? Don't you remember? It? Wonderful days. We love Mary. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Um, oh, yes, and about that it's important that we know how to build ourselves up. You know, we need to know the disciplines of spending time with God in prayer, in listening to him, in um, reflecting on his word, reading the Bible, thinking about it, asking God to speak to us. They're really important. So if you missed that last week, I really want to encourage you to listen to it. It's online. It's on our website. It's on YouTube as well. So when we talked about these kind of things, um, the, the church has two states. It's, it's, um, we, we talked about, you know, build up and send out. I just mentioned that. Two states of the gathering. We gather together today. And also, when we go from this place, we scatter into our daily lives. And we, the church needs to exist both in the way we come together and also in the way we live in the week. And sometimes we see that in our own personal lives or with friends or with, in our community groups. We're being church in the community. So that's a kind of like a bit of a, um, a starting point for us this morning. So and the, the goal this morning is to understand really what is our place in what God is doing here. As I said last week, this isn't a new vision. 
Uh, this is something that the Lord put on my heart many, I say many years ago, not as many as uh, we talk about Betty's many years ago. Um, although I was also in the church 45 years ago, just to let you know that, when I Betty. Um, and I used, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, I'm really losing my, I'm really a bit excited. This is really wonderful. It feels different in here somehow. There's something different. Um, but I want to talk about sending out. Just as the church needs to be built up, and there's people in this room, I think, whose primary focus is to build up the church, maybe to operate in the gathering. Um, maybe there's ministries and things that happen in church. And there are those whose primary purpose is to go out. Now, we all need to build one another up, and we all need to know that we are sent people. And it's that that I want us to grasp this morning, that you and I are sent by God into the world. Just say that to the person next to you. You are sent by God into the world. Amen, Ben? It's wonderful, isn't it? We are sent. But what I want to do is I want to start right from the, from the very get-go, and, and we always have to start with God, don't we? So the first thing that I want us to talk about is this, that the Father sends. Now, many of us will know John chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Did you know that God is a missionary? Satan, no, we won't. God is a missionary. He is a sender and he is sent. And we see that in God. And this is what I want us just to move quite quickly through at a moment, that God is a, a missionary. He left his heavenly throne to come and take on the cultural and physical nature of, in that time, the, the, uh, the Jewish nation, and in order that he may reconcile us to God. That's the missionary. A missionary goes from one place to another. Adam went to South Africa in order to become part of that culture, if you like, and in order that he may reach some to reconcile them to God. Now, he doesn't do the work that Jesus did, but he, he says, as it says in the Scriptures, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, pleading to others, be reconciled to God. Now, Adam, he went, even married to become a South African. I mean, he went the whole hog to be part of the culture. And not everyone will do that, but nevertheless, Jesus did that. And so, but the first thing is this, that the Father sends. Let me ask you a question. Why did God create the world? For his glory. What is the ultimate reflection or expression of God's glory? No, go back a bit, huh? No? Well, maybe. This is my point. This is what I think. It was when Jesus was nailed to the cross. Thank you, Pete. Because in that moment, God was so glorified because that was the ultimate um, pouring out of his very nature for creation. He wanted a creation to be his. Now, when God created to the world, was he surprised? Was he caught um, off, off um, uh, whatever the word is, um, off guard, thank you, um, when Adam sinned, that he then had to think, I need a plan, I need a backup plan? No, 
it says that before the foundation of the world, or he chose us before the foundation of the world. There was something already in his mind because he knows all things. He knew that the greatest desire of his heart was to reconcile a people for himself, to pay the price. And he did that before we even were born. He knew that that was going to happen. He knew that there had to be a sending of himself in order to reconcile his people to himself. God is a missionary. So we've got to understand, if you're ever in doubt who you are, you always have to go back to God and look in the mirror of who God is. But not even just the father sends, as we've known already, the son was sent. And if you want to read John's gospel, I read, I think it says, it uses the, the term being sent about 40 times. I haven't counted, but feel free to go and do that. But John's gospel says a lot. We've already read in chapter 3, verse 16. In, um, in John 17, there's a wonderful prayer. It's the priestly prayer of Jesus. And you would think that, you know, just before Jesus dies and he makes a prayer to God, what he's going to pray about is going to be of utmost importance, wouldn't you think? And it's a wonderful prayer. And I'm just going to pull out a few little bits. First thing I'll pull out is this. And he's talking about his disciples. He says, I've given them the words that you gave me and they have received them, have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. And I'll read a bit more about this later. And then in John 13, verse 10, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. In other words, Jesus saying, if you receive me, you receive my Father. Now, I send you. We are sent. When someone receives us, they receive Jesus. Did you know that? When someone receives you, they receive Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about receiving Jesus in our hearts. I'm talking about that you and I, as we get to in a minute, are sent of God as Jesus in the world. We're going to get to that. But Jesus was fully aware that he was sent. Even when he was 13 years old, young people, young people reference, 13 years old. Who's 13. When he was your age, he went into the temple and he knew exactly that he was sent. Teo, do you know you're sent? When you go into school, Jesus walks about the corridors. Amen? Amen. Jesus was sent. The Spirit was sent. John 14, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit was sent of the Father in the name of, the G of Jesus to make manifest, to reveal the things of God. And it's that same Spirit that we know lives within our hearts that enables us to be sent. I know I'm going quite quickly through this, but um, that's fine, isn't it? Because there's a lot to go through. So we may be like Christ. The Spirit helps us, empowers us, and prepares us to be sent people of God. So we see that in, in God, and then we see that Jesus sends the church in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is John 17, 18 uh, to 20. I'm, I'll probably just pull a bit out here. It says, as you sent me into the world, this is Jesus' prayer, so I've sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, I set myself apart, that they also may be set apart in truth. I do not, listen to this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. 
Matthew 28, um, 20 something. Go into the world. No, go into the world. Oh, crumbs. And make disciples. Go into all the world. Thank you, Bev. And make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you to do. Go, sent, teach, build up. Go, sent, teach, build up. In 2021, in John, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We're a sent people because God is a sending God. He is a God with a mission to redeem the world to himself. And we have to have this the right way round. The church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. And so, and what this means is this. Church should be like a river that flows in and out. Not like a reservoir where all the water comes and gets deposited. Okay? Now, I, I don't know what you're thinking, but as I said before about this whole gathered state and the scattered state, if all the church is is just a gathering to peop of people on a Sunday, it becomes a reservoir and it becomes like the Dead Sea eventually and it just dies out. And all you have is bodies floating. But you see, because we've made it to church, and maybe you've made it to church, you know, and the Lord has met you and you've come into church and you've enjoyed just listening about God and things like that, we've arrived, if we have just an arrived mentality and not a sent mentality, we are not being the church. So essentially, this is the point I want to make here, is that as much as we need to build one another up, if we're not building up people in order to send them out, we are not being church. Okay? So what's the nature of church? There are five aspects to our Christian lives of what it means to live out as the sent church. And the first one is this, incarnational, which is just a long word to say, um, being made flesh or being made like Jesus. So when Jesus came, he was, took on the flesh of humanity, and that was incarnation. If you're a carnivorous, if you like eating meat, you're a carnivorous, that's carne, you're made like flesh. All right, young people, and that's a long word, but you got it, yeah? To be like Jesus. Jesus became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus becomes part of our flesh and dwells amongst the community. That's what it means to be incarnational. Now we know, we teach here very often that we are not just coming in and, and enjoying the, 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 the grace and the love that we've heard about this morning, that we need to be holy people set apart for God. We need to see change in our life. We can't be like we came to Christ in and stay like that. God intends to change us, transform us, make us like Christ. So that when we go out about, people come along and say, why is it that I see John and he never shows any worry on his face? Why is he so joyful in the midst of a heart operation? Because Jesus lives within his heart. That's what we say. Because of the incarnation and what happens often in churches is that they lock themselves away and they don't mix with the world. And it's so easy that we can come out of the world and over time just slowly just um, lose all of our contact with the world. And in the end, all our friends are Christian. And God says, be in the world but not of the world. 
Go into all the world and make disciples. This is what John 13, 35 says. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now this, if you think about this, how do people know that you are my disciples? How do people know that you know Jesus, that you love Jesus? First of all, they have to be witnesses of the way that the church works. We love one another. We support one another. We encourage one another. We build up one another. And there is this person who is looking at all of this thinking, what is going on here? I love the fact that, I can't remember your name, but your dad. I know, you, I know Paul's name. but I, um, Paul, he says this, he loves coming out of us men when we go on weekends away because he sees something different than he sees in the world. By this will all men know because we are living out our lives as Christ-like people. Incarnation. Now you might think, well that's normal, but what it requires is proximity. Are you with people in the week? Are you living out your life? Are you being you in the week? And part of our vision of this cafe that we are building, as I said last week, is to create a space where the church and community mix. There's proximity, there's togetherness, and people are starting to connect. We went out for Seamus's um, curry last night. Seamus and Mark, it was their birthday tomorrow, both of them. And um, we had a lovely curry, and there were two people there, um, and the, uh, friends of Seamus's, but she was in the cafe. Seamus came walking through and saw, that's my friend's partner. And now they're sitting amongst Christian men, and, um, and with Julie as well, Mark's wife was there, witnessing what it means to be amongst incarnational people. That is proximity. And this is what, you know, and the fact is, that started in the cafe. I mean, you could have called them out, thought about it, whatever, couldn't you, Seamus? But the fact is, something started there, proximity. Are you mixing with people, or are you too busy? And life can get busy, can't it? But the Christian life is to be lived out practically, when we, and incarnationally. Number two, invitational. Or you can call it discipleship making, disciple making. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, go into all the world, invite people to walk with you, show them what it means to know Jesus. That's basically what it means. That's why I like the word invitational, because we need to invite people into our lives. We need to be open and and it's so easy that we just get caught up in our day-to-day and there's, all we're really doing is hanging around with friends and family. The best form of discipleship, and, and let me say this, we, you, we, yes, invite them to church. They can hear the message from the front. They can, they can be encouraged by the worship time, but there is no better discipleship than looking at what Jesus did. He chose some people. There was a large amount of people, then there was 12, then there was three. We haven't got time to talk a bit about those kind of dynamics, but what Jesus said, he invited them. He said, come walk with me. He took the 12 away. Come walk with me, let me tell you. He took the three. Come walk with me. He took the one. Peter, come and talk with me. Discipleship. It's invitational. Sometimes we get a bit caught up in discipleship. Are we making disciples of me? You know, am I a disciple? Does that mean they're following me? Not really, No. It means this, and it, although scripture does say, Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, or the NIV says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
and maybe for you, following someone that you see and respect as a Christian is your start of your walk of becoming a disciple of Jesus. But the goal of anyone is to lead people to Christ, isn't it? And so we point people in the right direction. We show them what does it mean. And if you want to know how to disciple people, let me give you a couple of tips. The first one is this. Invite someone. Have a coffee. And think about these two questions. What is God saying to you? And what are you doing about it? Next time you meet, I'm just, let me just pick two people. Um, Timo meets up with Daniel. And Daniel says to Timo, Timo, so what's God saying to you? He says, well, first of all, he's challenged. Crumbs, I've got to listen to what God has got to say to me. And he says, I've been thinking this. And he says, well, what are you going to do about it then? He says, well, I don't know. He says, well, why don't you do this? Okay, okay, well, next time we meet up, let's pray about that. Doesn't sound hard, does it? You don't need a degree to do that, do you? Not that a degree in theology is bad. But inviting people into our lives, and even if they're not yet Christians, you can walk with them, and you can share with them, and you can lead them to Christ. Okay? Still with me, young people? Yeah? Number three, flexible. I couldn't think of another I word, uh, so I got lost at this point. But um, flexible. 1 Corinthians 9, 20 to 23. To the Jews, Paul says, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. No, not by being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. How far are you willing to go to reach someone? Do they have to come to you or are you willing to be flexible to go to them? Come to church is a very inflexible invitation. Let me come to you. Where are you? I'll come around yours. Where do you want to meet? You decide. I'll come to wherever you want to meet. That's being flexible. It means that you step out of your comfort zones rather than asking them to step out of their comfort zones. That's being flexible. Flexible in all sorts of ways, really. Flexible structures. In the way that we do church and think about church out there in the community. Being able to be flexible where people don't all want to meet on a Sunday morning. Well, what if we did something on a Saturday night or on a Thursday night or on a Friday night or even at six o'clock on a Saturday morning? Flexible. Number four, in community. Acts 2, 4, 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Fellowship does not just mean social time. I hope that you will stay afterwards for some fellowship. We're going to have some wonderful lunch um, it's been, been prepared for about 24, 48 hours already. It's going to be amazing. Um, barbecue and all sorts of things. Um, I hope you will join us for some fellowship. That's a, you know, and that's a good way of using it. But the fellowship, if anyone's read Lord of the Rings, they will know from the first book, The Fellowship of the Rings. The fellowship is a group of people, very different types of people, that come together in community for a common purpose. This church was originally called Elton Green Fellowship. It was a bunch of very odd people coming together for a common purpose. <laughs> Amen, Betty? 
And that common purpose in that sense was about loving God, discovering God because God had suddenly moved powerfully in people's lives and the churches that they were in had experienced that or understood it. So what brought them together was a newfound experience in the power of God and that brought this fellowship about. And we are a fellowship. We are a whole bunch of different types of people coming together because we love God and I trust because we know that God has a purpose for this body. And so we are devoted to that. We're not devoted to the social times. We're devoted to the fellowship of people coming together, being one together. So that's why it's really, it's really interesting. I, I mean, I'm sure that Drew prepared in some way, maybe knew what I was going to, I don't know, did you? No, he didn't. Praise God, spirit moving. But the importance of togetherness, not just a togetherness by attendance, but togetherness by buying into what we are doing and why we are doing it. Fellowship. See, you can say, oh, I attend a group, or you say, I'm part of that group. See, there's another word, if you want to look at words, have a look at the word communitas, rather than community. Communitas is the same thing, it's like fellowship. Instead of saying we all attend together, it's saying that we are teammates, we are comrades, we are, we are part of that group. We are all buying in, we take ownership of what God is doing in that group. Having a common goal. We are no longer attendees. Number five, adventurous or inventive. I read this week Spurgeon say um, a quote, faith is full of inventions. Faith is full of inventions. I love that. You know, when we step out, believing God by faith, we step into adventure and inventions. Because when you're stepping out, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where you're going. See, when you're going out, just as Abraham was sent out and did not know where he was going, you start to invent things. So for him, it's like, well, how am I going to live where I don't know where I'm going? Okay, I'll go from my nice, comfortable house with central heating, which was true, and I will buy a tent, and I will take a tent with me. What am I going to eat? Okay, I need to, I need to start becoming a farmer or a, or a shepherd. I'll take some sheep with me. Suddenly, you start inventing. Who would have thought that we, that we would uh, have a coffee shop here? It required invention. It required adventure. About five years ago, there was um, six of us, uh, Tano and Angela, myself and Jana and Constine and Lena. We stepped out in, in, uh, in a, certainly an invention and adventure when we, when we wanted and felt um, as part of this same vision to start something which we called Missional Community. And, um, and there were us three couples. In total, there's about 10 with the kids. And God added to us. I remember at one point, we counted about 50 that were gathering around my house of people that God had added to us. And we learned many lessons. We had to adapt, had to be flexible. We were inviting people around our homes. We had people turn up at home. I'd open a door and I have no idea who this person is. But someone knew who they were because someone had invited them. Um, and we had lots of challenges. We had lots of celebrations and victories. We had some, um, you know, you never, you, whenever you're doing something, never think it's always going to go perfectly. And, um, and after that time, we, Jenna and myself, Tanner and Angela, Constantine and Lena, have all, I think, learned what it means to invite people into our life. And when I say people, I'm talking about people that God has added and invited into our hearts. Not just people that we see, oh, you know, let's look at the numbers. You know, we're talking people, and there's people in this room, I won't point them out, that are here because we stepped out on an adventure. 
And these are not people that we're looking at. Look, look at the roll call. Look how well we did. These are people that we enjoy being with. And I can see one over there. I can see one over there. I can see two over there. Anyone else? I won't point you out, but they're over there. And now, uh, Jana and I, we're, now that, that's sort of done, we're, we're, I want to see it like a seed that goes out. So Jana and I have got involved with Mark and Hannah, which is wonderful, in their group. Um, Tara and Angela and Conti Lenas are considering where God will use them. Because we want to see that keep going. But if, you know, you've got to understand, if you're going to be sent, you've got to be prepared for, invent, for adventure and invention. Amen. Amen. If you say amen, I know you're still listening. <laughs> but here's the thing. What about you? Why not you step out? Or are you too comfortable? Okay. Strategies for the sent church. I'm going to finish in a minute, young people. You want me to go on? Emily said yes. Anyone else? But how would this look? What does it look like for us to be a sent church? See, myself, you have a responsibility to be Christ wherever you are. That's the first outworking. You have a responsibility before God to be Christ wherever you are. Don't think about perfection. Just think about being available, about seeking to be like Christ, to share your testimony as the opportunity arises, to take up opportunities, to invite people. Some of these things I said and the challenges that we have right now is that um, we, are we willing to give up our comfort, our security? And what I mean by that is, I mean not security that you step outside of the security of the Lord, but security from a natural level. Is your lifestyle more important than reaching the world for Christ? Um, that's a challenge I find. When you start opening up your home, you don't know what you're letting yourself into. You have to be willing for kids to run amok in your house, praise God. We had so many children, and it was lovely. Some of them just sat on their phones, some of the older ones, but most of them would just run around and around the house. Amen. It's lovely. Maybe you need to do something. You need to join a group, become part of something, become part of a mission. Maybe get involved in one of the activities, like Hannah's doing mini maestros, which is now growing. There's people there that are looking for friendship, and maybe you will find your next friends in that group. Maybe you need to come and do a few hours in the, in the cafe. There are so many people coming in to the cafe that do not know Jesus, as far as we are aware of. And all it might need is for you just to be around and start talking to someone. Personal responsibility. The second bit is our community groups. I, I believe, and I've said this many times, that all our community groups should be doing an aspect of mission or invitation. If a community group is simply just being a Bible study, it's not fulfilling the full purpose that God has called us to do as a church. Now, I know it takes time to get there. So I'm not pointing the finger, but is there progress? It's lovely seeing Fred's of Grace sitting in the, uh, uh, doing all their knitting with people there that I don't know, which is even more wonderful. That came out of a community group, a way of sending out and you see those people that are doing it, not just those people, part of that community group, but it's wonderful seeing them do these things together. 
But that, that requires time to prepare. It requires the whole group to buy in. It requires someone being, able, being willing to open up their home. It requires things of the group. And there's the challenge. It's not going to be easy, but that is, the, I believe, the firm vision that I can't get out of my heart that every group, and I'll tell you another reason I said last week, we don't know where the church is going to be in 20 years' time. All our groups need to be mini churches because when you can't do what we're doing this morning, it will be done in your homes. Now, some of us might not be there in 20 years' time as we established last week. But I will be, I trust, unless the Lord takes me. And many of us in this, in this church will be. And there'll be a whole bunch of other people in this church because God will add to the church because we're obedient to him and we're being led by the Spirit. But this is the point. This church will die if the community groups are not able to be church in the community. That, I believe, is fundamental. That, is, I think, is the core of why we need to be a building up church and a sending out church. Amen? Amen. If you nod, you can say amen out loud so everyone else can hear your nods. Amen? Amen. The third thing, mission fields. Um, Messy churches is a really good example of what churches are doing in the community, doing something fresh and new, which creates a mission field in order to get the church and the community together under a gospel context. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what any ideas you've got, but I tell you what, we need to be creative. We need to be inventive. We need to be adventurous. And maybe you've got something that you could do in your community. This is where these things start to happen where we start to think, you know, well, maybe we need to start to help people invest in certain activities that they want to do. I use Minimise as a good example because it's starting on Wednesday at 9.45. And it's something that is a, is a fantastic opportunity that is so easy to do. It's probably hard work to prepare, but in terms of getting people there, people are seeking, asking for things like this. People are actively asking us to run activities in the cafe already. We just don't have the time or the manpower to make things happen. It's wonderful. Number four, church plants. Now, there are, there are some of us who are pioneers. I was thinking of a picture, a two-sided picture, the back and the front. On the first side, there was a man cutting through a forest, or a woman for that matter. You know, like you see that picture, they're just cutting their way through. And when you look behind them, there's a whole bunch of people that are walking on clear ground. You know, there are people that are pioneers that cut their way through. Not everyone's a pioneer, but there are some. And they cut their way through. They have the determination and the adventuring spirit to cut their way through. Maybe that's you. And maybe you're thinking already, do you know what? Why can't my home be a church plant? I'm not talking about having a band and all this, but maybe you just gather the church together and you pray, you worship you share the Bible and you invite your neighbours to it. Sometimes we have these two bigger kind of things, but why not? As I said last week, do you know what? I, I say this openly. If I will support you in the church plant, if I know that you are sitting with the Lord on a regular basis in prayer, in Bible study, and you have a heart to reach out, I think that's what equips us to plant churches. Maybe it's taken on the leadership of another church. The fact that Tim gone to River, not that the church was struggling, but the fact that we're able to send someone who can take on the church, it's still sending out. Find your place before I get to that. There are certain challenges, I think, 
that we face as a church when we talk like this. We lay it all out on the table, nearly finished. The first thing is this, are we willing to release people no matter the impact on our nice activities in the church? If we were to release our only youth leaders to mean that we don't have a youth work, if we were to release our children's workers that we wouldn't be able to run some of our groups, are we willing to release people no matter the perceived lack? So the first thing. The second thing is, do we have faith that God will replace the lack that we may have? Number three, do we have the freedom to fail at our new adventures? I think we should. I tell you what, if we went out there and we sort of tried something and then we all came back and we said, well done, well done, Drew. Completely failed, but well done for trying. If we don't try, we will never know, will we? Are we willing to embrace failure with a determination to keep trying? So I want to end with these, these thoughts. Are you going to find your place? And maybe last week when you heard, you was like, yes, this is, this is me. I build up the church. really want to sow into people's lives, help them know Jesus. I really want to see, you know, and minister and pray and really support and get alongside the church. And maybe going, yes, and this morning going, oh, no, no, this is, Lord, don't send me to Africa, please. Um, or maybe God's calling you to primarily build the church up. Or maybe you're saying, yes, I just, I'm so tired of doing church activities. I just want to get out there and preach the gospel. I want to go out and just live for God in, this, in the community. Well, maybe you're, you're being called to go out. But we all need to build up one another and we all need to be sent. So what's your, where are you? Tonight when we pray, and I hope that you put it in your diary to come tonight because I think it's really important that we as a church just come before the Lord and we say, Lord, we need to know not just what we've heard over these last couple of weeks, but the word of God to my heart as to what my place is in this church so that I can be about your business. And so we need to pray. And I, I, I want to encourage you from the bottom of my heart, please do everything to be at the prayer meeting tonight. I know it's a sacrifice for some and it's difficult for some. So maybe your reaction has been, I really maybe feel I need to build up the church and, um, or you want to get out and get out and do something. Well, now's the time where we really need to pray as a church so that people can find their place. Amen? Amen. So build up, send out. I encourage you, find your place. God has added to you here. If you came this morning and you haven't been for ages, maybe it's because God's calling you to be a part of this place. Hey, Lana? You can? Have you got a mic, Daniel? Thank you. Thank you. I've absolutely loved this morning. And I'm sitting here and I'm saying to Jim, oh, I wish I was 20 years younger. And I just want to say to people, when... Uh, Jim first became a Christian, which was um, quite a couple of few years after me. Um, he was right away born again of the Spirit. It was just an amazing testimony. And the thing was, that night, um, the night after, I rang up Terry on the Monday morning to tell him what had happened. And he came around on the Monday, Monday night as he was going to Tunbridge. And um, it was ever so exciting. 
Anyway, when I went to the door to see him off, we had stars in St. Mary Cray at the time. I looked up and there was all stars around. And as I looked up, I went, Lord, never Africa. Because that's how I felt about Jim's enthusiasm, although Africa was never spoken about. The thing is, he went out for the first year. I wasn't interested to go. And then the next year, uh, Michelle, one of our daughters, she wrote a diary to me all, every day to say what it was all about and all alike. And uh, anyway, and so I, I said, um, Jim, and they came back, and Jim was going to take a team out the next year. And I just said, I'll come with you. I said it boldly, but I tell you what, I went out, and my heart is still there. And my one ambition is to go back there before I go to be with the Lord. But the thing with all that is I'm saying to you, I'm looking around here. There are so many young people that I see that God's got his hand upon and that can really go out and do these things that we've heard about today. So, onwards and upwards. <laughs> Amen. Just to, I want to close on that same verse I started with because this is the, now that you've got the context. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. With the measure you use it, will be measured back to you. As you go, you give. As we send as a church, we give, believing that God will give. Yeah? And so we clear our laps and say, Lord, I'll give, and you will replace with great measure. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you that you are the missionary God, that you are the sending God. Lord Jesus, you are the sent one. And as the Holy Spirit's been sent into our hearts, we ask, Lord, that you would stir up the vision, Lord, of uh, salvation for this community that we're in, for this nation, for this world, Lord, that we are a sent people. Lord, will you challenge us and encourage us, Lord, of what you have deposited in us is enough, Lord, to bring people to reconciliation with you. Lord, whatever age we are at, you can use us. Lord, our testimony is powerful. Lord, we need not fear the world because you have overcome the world. Lord, we have a message which is powerful. Lord, for the changing of lives. Lord, will you encourage us to be bold in these days, to be adventurous. Lord, to trust you for our lacks, to be generous with our time, with our money. Lord, with our people as a church. Lord, we pray, Father, that you will look upon us and say, there is a church that is sent of God into the world to make disciples for your glory, Lord, not for our glory, but for your glory. Lord, we pray, for Lord, for an extension of your kingdom, Lord, in Eltham and in this community. Lord, that you may be glorified in the homes in this area. And Lord, will you come and stir our hearts again, Lord, afresh. Lord, to know who we are and what the place you've put us in the churches for. In Jesus' name, amen.